Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Do you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Come and draw from the well of salvation. Be made clean, let Him wash you in truth. He is the fountain of living water. Come and be made new. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. He can refresh you in the desert where your sin left you lost on the brink. He is the fountain of living water. Come to Him, dear sinner, and drink. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. About 30 years ago, I was pastoring a very successful, fast-growing church in Bethesda, Maryland, a seeker-sensitive church, a sinner-friendly church. And I was washed up. I no longer knew in my heart, that there was even a God. I'd spent so much time in New Age theology. I'd spent so much time with others in the whole humanistic movement that I'd lost my roots. And I came to a place where I said, I have to know whether God is real. If, if God is not real, then I don't want to play the game of the Christian church. And I'm going to go into business and be successful and have a wonderful life. On the other hand, if God is real, I'd better find out and begin living according to his word and not according to the word of the mega church people, the church growth people. And so... I decided on what request I would make 
The Bible said, go in your closet, close the door, and ask God in secret, and he will reward you in public. So that's what I did. I set an hour a day that I would pray. I was 10 to 11, Monday through Friday. I left my office and my staff, and I went to the prayer room. After five minutes, at the most, of praying, I knew I'd said everything I had to say, and I knew I was in trouble because the skies were closed tight. I mean tight. But I'd made the pledge that I would do this, so I continued on. I was abusive toward God. I called him names that were not very pleasant names. I went after God and said, you either have to step out from behind the curtain you're hiding behind and answer my prayer or you're phony and I'm done with you. That was a mistake. But I'll tell you what, one hour went to two hours, to three hours, four hours, five hours, eight hours a day, sometimes all day, yea, even into the night. I learned to pray the Psalms. That's what really taught me how to pray the Psalms. Finally, God answered, and he answered me audibly. I was terrified. It was at that point, after some very serious thought, sharing, that I decided I would enroll in the school of the Holy Spirit. That God was real, and I needed a total change in my heart, in my behavior, in my life, that I was a sinner, and I had to come to terms with what God's requirements were for a holy man or a holy woman. And so I began that journey. And if none of you are on that journey, I urge you to sign up with the Holy Spirit for his school and ask him to begin to seriously take you in hand disciplining, rewarding, and teaching you the way of the cross. Now, obviously, I could talk to you a long time about the school of the Holy Spirit, and we will get into that more as the days progress. But today, I want to come back to a very serious question. And that question is, Do you believe in God? Do you believe in God? Now let's cut it right down to bare bones. Let's not play the church game. Let's not play the make-believe, fantasy, fantasia, Disney World game. Do you believe in God? And then, of course, secondly, is he the foundation of your life? Or is the world the foundation of your life? But you will say, yes, there is a God. Many people will say there is a God. But he's not the foundation of their heart. Is God the foundation of your heart? Is Jesus Christ the foundation that gives you stability and meaning and confidence in your life? Don't answer that too quickly. For some of you, what gives you foundation in your life is a seeker-sensitive church that preaches lies. I could name some, but I better not. So let's go after it. As some of you know, 
going into the fifth month ago, I fell. And I broke my hip. And these months following have been very painful months for me, physically. And emotionally. Because the Lord had spoken to me and given me very clear direction before this took place. He said to me, wait upon the Lord. Well, I didn't do a very good job of waiting, and so he changed the game. And now I'm waiting. I haven't been really out of the house for these many long days. Now, many people said to me, Christian people, don't you think you need to get to a doctor? Well, I did go to a doctor. Well, what did the doctor say to you? He said, wait. That's not uncommon for a doctor to say, is it? Well, who is this doctor you went to? Well, they call him Dr. Rofi. They call him Dr. Jesus. And he will heal me. And some have snickered. Some have said, Pastor, Pastor, Pastor. Get to a doctor. Jesus is not going to heal you. This has been the struggle now for me for the past 30 years. Will Jesus be according to his word? And I've proved him or and or. And he has been faithful to keep his word to me. He has never let me down. I haven't always liked his answers but he's made them very apparent to me and why he's answering the way he is. Now, I want to go to a story. The transfiguration has just happened up on the mountain with Peter, James, and John. They're now making their way down after that incredible transfiguration took place. And as they come down, they see a large crowd. And in that large crowd, there seems to be a lot of loud voices and arguments going on. The teachers of the law have come, and they are confronting the disciples with with what they believe, which is that Jesus is false. And they need to go back to the regular Jewish system. They're being corrupted. They're not eating, they're not washing their hands before they eat some grains of of wheat in the field. Well, as soon as they see Jesus approaching, this huge crowd is overwhelmed with joy because they've really only were there to see Jesus. And so they come running to him. And Jesus asks them a question. What are you arguing about? It's an intense argument. What are you arguing about? And a man in the crowd answers. It's the man in the crowd who has a desperate need, and he's coming to Jesus not to see the show. He's coming to Jesus because he can't make it without coming to Jesus for his precious son. Teacher, I brought you my son, who's possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth. He gnashes his teeth. He becomes rigid. I ask your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Jesus replies, Oh, unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? 
bring the boy to me. So they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it went crazy. It threw this young lad to the ground. It began to give him convulsions. He began to foam at the mouth and roll around on the ground. Jesus, seeking more information, although he doesn't need it, asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It's often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us. Help us. You know, I look at this story. In the Greek, it's much stronger. It's a shriek. It's a shriek of a broken heart who has come to the utter end of every possibility of saving his son's life. Jesus and the disciples were the last possibility. They'd been to every doctor. They'd done everything they could for this young boy. And this father didn't want to lose his son. So in the Greek, it says he shrieked. Literally, he screamed aloud in frustration and pain. If you can do anything, Take pity on us. Help us. Jesus answers, If you can, if you can, everything is total unbelief. He has seen no evidence that this Jesus can do anything. He's only heard the stories. He heard the disciples could also heal, but it's obvious they're not in a place to heal. They have no authority over this demon whatsoever. And Jesus answers something that we need to hear very clearly in our hearts. Everything, this is Mark, the ninth chapter, verse 23. Everything is possible for him who believes. Wait a minute. Everything is possible for him who believes. Well, what would it mean to believe? Just that. Put all of your confidence in Jesus. Say, yes, I know you can heal my son. It doesn't matter what other people say. I know you can heal my son. Now, this is where it gets very interesting. I fall and break my leg. And I say, I believe Jesus will heal my leg. And people say, oh, no, Ray, Jesus doesn't do that anymore. Well, do you have any idea why Jesus doesn't do that anymore? Because the American church doesn't believe in Jesus. They believe in techniques. They believe in programs. They believe in... They believe in the flesh. They don't believe in Jesus. To believe in Jesus is to put your whole life, your whole soul. He is the foundation of your your being. You have put everything in Jesus. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in God? See, it's one thing to say, I believe that God will heal me. 
and then not run to the doctor. Please, I'm not against doctors. They do much good. But I can't go because it stands directly opposed to my belief in Jesus. Unless Jesus speaks to me and says, Ray, go to the doctor. In that case, I'm on my way to the doctor. I'm going to do what Jesus tells me. I'm not going to violate whatever he tells me. If he tells me, go here, I go there. If he says, don't go there, I don't go there. I wait on Jesus. Of course, when you begin to preach the old-time gospel message of repent, turn from your sin, live a new life by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, where you no longer walk in any known sin. You walk clean before Almighty God. You don't play the world's games. You don't go to the world's places. You don't show up at the theater. You don't show up at the concert. You don't show up at the dance. You don't show up at the world's entertainment. You no longer lust after money. You want the kingdom of God to come. You don't want You don't want to become a millionaire. Now, you may become one because God may make you one because he has a purpose for what he's doing. Very few wealthy people will enter into the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus said. Hey, I didn't say it. Jesus said it. So it's very clear that the world church has sold out to the devil's program of entertainment. It's a business today. It's not a church. People don't go to prayer meetings anymore. They're not interested. I was shocked when I went to David Wilkerson's church. He said, Pastor Ray, come join me on the platform tonight. So I did. And I saw a whole huge sanctuary jammed with people who had come for only one purpose, to pray. They believed in Jesus. Then he had me come forward, introduce me, had his elders gather around me, laid hands on me, and asked the whole congregation to pray for me. What an amazing experience. It's like the Holy Spirit moved in waves over that congregation. It's one of the most joyful experiences of my life. Most churches don't have those kinds of prayer meetings. They sold out to the entertainment people. So now we have this man shrieking at the top of his voice, crying out to Jesus. Oh, I tell you what, Jesus hears us when we cry out to him. I've done a bit of that. I've done a lot of that. (laughs) It's part of the teaching in the school of the Holy Spirit crying out audibly to Jesus. So, here we are. The boy's father immediately answers Jesus. Jesus says, everything is possible for him who believes. In other words, the healing of this young man is entirely within the realm of possibility. The question is, do you believe? And he cries out again to Jesus. I mean, these are loud voices going on. Everybody's watching the drama. Everybody's hearing what's being said. He says, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. 
Now, I would rather he would have been able to honestly say, I do believe, but he couldn't honestly say that. But he admits that and says, please help me overcome my unbelief. Do something in me so that my son can be healed. You want your son to be in heaven? You want your daughter to be in heaven? I'm guessing Jesus is going to have to do something inside of you before he can hear that prayer. You want your wife to be saved? You want your husband to be saved? Then God's going to have to do something in you. There's going to have to be a change. Or your prayers will not be answered. They'll bounce off the ceiling back down like bullets and hit you. You're going to have to be honest with God. And can I be troublesome? If your son or daughter became sick today, you're too far away from Jesus to get to him in time for Jesus to heal him. Oh, I don't mean geographically, I mean spiritually. You're so full of your own lust, your own lifestyle. For Jesus to answer you for the healing of your husband or the healing of your wife. You're going to have to enroll in the school of the Holy Spirit where you say, I believe in you, Jesus. I am given to you entirely. My time, my energy, my money, everything about me, I give to you, Jesus. Now, please, Holy Spirit, teach me how to pray in a manner that Jesus will hear. Jesus has no obligation to answer our prayers. We have an obligation to believe in him and to put everything down on the name of Jesus. And if we don't do that, he usually won't answer. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And then Jesus looks up and he sees the crowd all beginning to run toward him where the action is. And he immediately turns and rebukes the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit is now shrieking, screaming. Can you imagine the sound of that screeching, screaming spirit of darkness? He has met his master. He's met the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and he's angry. But he can't do anything but obey. So he convulses this child again violently. And out he comes. Out he comes. The boy is now laying on the ground. He looks like he's dead. Foam all over his mouth. Looks like he's dead. But Jesus reaches down with his hand. And he takes the hand of the boy and literally lifts him up off the ground and stands him on his feet. And the boy is full of life and he can speak. He's no longer mute. The mute spirit is gone. He can now speak. I'm sure he threw his arms around his daddy. What happened to me, daddy? Jesus cast the spirit out. Jesus healed you. I'm waiting for Jesus to come to me and take me by the hand and lift me up 
and I can walk again. Believe me, I'm not going to be quiet when that happens. I am going to shout and sing and dance. I'm going to I'm going to bear testimony that Jesus is my Lord. I'm waiting on Jesus. Now, Jesus goes indoors. I'm sure they're hungry. He goes indoors with his disciples. And his disciples, why couldn't we drive it out? They spoke to the demon, and it laughed at him. Why? Please, I want to tell you, the spiritual life is a cause and effect relationship with Jesus. Jesus replied, this kind can only come out by prayer and some, say, fasting. But that wasn't really the issue. Continue on and you find the real issue. Jesus now walks with his disciples to a private place, and he begins to explain to them his mission on earth. And he begins to explain to them that he's going to be crucified. They're horrified, but they're not even hearing. They didn't understand what he meant, and they were afraid to ask him. They came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet, because on the way they'd been arguing about who was the greatest. You understand, the deep things of God are hidden from you when you are concerned about or arguing about who's the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and he said, if anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and must be the servant of all took a little child and had him stand among them. Taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of the little children in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me does not just welcome me, but the one who sent me. I want you to see something. Jesus, in Mark 11, is going up to Jerusalem, and there's a fig tree there, and there's no fruit on it, and there should have been. And Jesus curses it. The fig tree is a, is a symbol of Israel. Now, Jesus is passing judgment on Israel. I want you to see that. Has Jesus passed judgment on your church? That's terrifying. So he goes into Jerusalem. He ministers there. He says the house is to be called a house of prayer for all nations. But you have made it a den of robbers. Well, as they're walking back the next morning, they looked at the fig tree, Peter did, and he remembered what Jesus had said. And he said, Rabbi, look. The fig tree you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, 
and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. So one of the things the Lord said to me, all of your sins are forgiven, right? I rejoiced in that because now that means the way is open for God to step in and perform a healing in my body. I want that healing so that I can minister in the name of Jesus, but also for another reason. I want it so that the modern church can see the air of its way and see that here is a pastor, a nobody, who's been healed by the mighty power of God, who's been restored because he believed in Jesus. Do you understand? I have said to these broken bones, go throw yourself into the sea. I do not doubt in my heart. I believe that what I've said will happen. It will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. I believe that. I have tested that o'er and o'er. Now, this is getting to a to a pretty precise place in the school of the Holy Spirit. I know God will hear my prayer. I know he has. And all he said is, wait upon the Lord. The Lord will carry you through. Okay? I'm going to trust the Lord to carry me through. My eyes are on Jesus. Do I believe? Yes. On what basis? The promises of God. My past experience with him. The experiences of other godly men and women who have been in the school of the prophets and in the school of the Holy Spirit. And they have testified that Jesus heard their cry and answered them. I'm no better than anybody. I'm no, I'm nobody. I'm an unknown. Nobody's even heard of me. Thank you, Jesus. That makes the testimony even more powerful. Now, I want to tell you, I have put everything on the line for the belief in Jesus Christ. I believe he is a miracle worker. I believe his heart is filled with compassion and mercy. And I'm going to wait on him. I praise his name. Now, what happens in the dark of the night when the devil comes to me? He says, who do you think you are? You're embarrassing Jesus. Who do you think you are? You don't deserve healing from Jesus. Look at all the people in the world who are in desperate shape and they're not being healed. Why do you think you should be healed? You're selfish. The devil comes and says to me, you know, you're going to die. You're dying right now. And you're going to die. And you won't be here much longer. And everybody is going to scorn you because you said Jesus would heal you. Jesus is not going to heal. I mean, I put up with every argument of the devil. I've met his arguments. Not always very well. 
Sometimes into the dark of the night, my heart just sinks. And I say, have I been wrong in taking this position? Have I led others astray by teaching that Jesus is real, that God is real? Have I led others astray by saying, you can believe in Jesus? And then prayer and the sword of the Spirit. And I go to battling with the devil. And finally he's defeated and he leaves the battlefield for a time. Where my wife and I will be exhausted by the battle. Just tired. Tired to the bone. And we'll begin to pray. And very quickly, Jesus comes and refreshes our spirit, gives us courage in our hearts to stand though the heavens fall. It happened several times. And we rejoice in Jesus and we praise and we quote scriptures. Rejoice in all things. And we praise him. We begin to sing songs of of worship and praise. And our spirits rise. And our confidence is restored. And we stand by faith. What do you think this father felt after he saw what Jesus did? A very key part of what Jesus did in ministry while he was on this earth was carrying the burdens of men and women and children, healing them of their diseases, restoring them physically and mentally. That was a key part of what Jesus' ministry was all about. And people came not just to listen to him teach, Many would never have come to listen to him teach if he had not also been healing their diseases, healing their broken bones, restoring the leprosy, removing it from their bodies so their skin was like the baby's skin. Isn't Jesus wonderful? Isn't Jesus wonderful? I want to say this kindly, but I want to be straight. The modern church in America has substituted works for the Holy Spirit. The church in America has substituted modern-day philosophies for the gospel of Jesus Christ. The modern church teaches lies constantly. For example, Jesus loves you unconditionally. That's a lie. That's not what the scriptures teach. Or the modern church teaches that you don't have to overcome your sin. In fact, you can't overcome your sin. I had an Anglican bishop angrily kick me out of his church. We were renting it. Angrily kicked us out of his church because he said, I teach that you can overcome all sin in this life. Oh, that made him angry. He doesn't realize it, but he denigrated He trampled on the blood of Jesus Christ and made it of non-effect. It was a horrendous sin. So the modern church is not going to see signs and wonders and miracles. They're going to see some things from the demons of hell, counterfeit. But this time, he's not going to play games. 
He's going to come in power and might. Our only hope, please hear me, our only hope as an American church is repentance, turning from our sin, and walking in righteousness. It's the only hope for the American church. And frankly, it's not going to happen for most. Our only hope is Jesus Christ for the healing of our sickness, for the healing of our brokenness before him. Jesus and Jesus alone. And it's going to take choosing a precious promise like Mark 11. It's going to mean choosing a precious promise and then coming by faith, repenting of any unbelief, and turning and saying, Now, Jesus, I know you can heal me. I believe that you want to heal me. I believe you. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in Jesus? Or do you believe in the programs of the modern church? Do you believe in the seeker-sensitive evangelism? Do you believe in the church as a business? I came to a point where it made me vomit. I couldn't do it anymore. And then I found out that Jesus was real. And I believed on him. And my life has never been the same. I enrolled in the school of the Holy Spirit. I invite you to do the same. I hope this has been helpful to you. I'll go further with it tomorrow. But let's pray. Almighty God, you are real. And I do believe in you. And I believe and I wait upon you until I see the manifestation of what you have promised me. It's all in your hands. It's not in my hands. It's up to me to wait upon you and to believe in you and to testify and say, Jesus is real and I trust him and I'm waiting upon his miracle. I have the miracle of Jesus, but it hasn't manifested in my body yet. So yes, I'm in pain. But my heart is rejoicing because I know soon he will come and deliver me. And then what rejoicing, Jesus, you're going to hear from my lips. Jesus, I love you. I've put my full trust in you. There is no other God. You alone are the God of heaven and earth. I praise you and worship you and honor you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, we have five minutes. That's going to give me a few minutes to invite you to please, if you believe in what I'm saying and you see the desperate need for this message to go out in the church, then stand with me. Write to me. Give hilariously. None of the money will go to me personally. It goes all for the work of the gospel. Jesus cares for me. He carries me. Write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346. Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. 
Now, I want to pray with you. You can also go to our webpage, by the way, nationalprayerchapel.com. Lord, I come today to specifically pray for those men and women who are doubting today whether you're real, who are doubting whether you really answer prayers. They've been crying out for a long time, and they've not seen any change. In fact, things have gotten worse. Lord, I'm asking that you would move in the heart of every person who's listening and grasping as to a a life jacket. Lord, some are shrieking. Would you come and hear the cry of their prayer? And would you come and answer their prayer today? Lord, I plead with you to do that wonderful, wonderful work, the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and our lives, where we trust you with everything where we put everything into you, Jesus. We cut off those things of the flesh. We cut off those ways of the world. We just come to you, Jesus, and lay it all on the line and say, please, Jesus, hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Lord, some have given up hope. Would you give them back their hope? Would you give them back their confidence in you, Jesus, that you are the one who will heal? Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. If you're on the internet watching this on YouTube, I want to urge you to go over to our our chat area, and Dirk, a dear brother of mine, has given some powerful scriptures. Would you go there and look at that? I think you'll find your heart encouraged. Dirk, thank you for bearing witness. I know the struggle you're going through. And I know you're standing in Jesus and trusting that Jesus will bring about his glory. Thank you. I love you all. Be encouraged. I am. I rejoice in what's happening. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. joy with great joy